I just wanted to interrupt before we get into the into the body of this. Um, we do talk about some heavy stuff, and if at any point you feel like you need to talk to someone or you need some extra help, please call Lifeline 131 114. Hello and welcome to another episode of Flynn's Talk, which I believe is episode eight of the series. Hopefully people are still out there listening and enjoying what we're putting out. Um, it means a lot to us that we've had so many listeners, I think. We're, we're hitting 50 to 100 each episode, Jack. Yeah, exactly right, mate. It's been um, been a really amazing response for something that didn't exist, um, well, eight weeks ago, I guess, with an episode a week. So uh, it's, been, it's been really, really good so far, sharing in the conversation, um, keeping the conversation going while we're, while we're not holding our walk events, but we're able to keep the talk part of that going. So um, that's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting and um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Exactly right, and I think today's no different. We have we have quite a special person today in in Dr. Kathy Lee, who who we met um, through Flynn's walk. She she went to uh, veterinary school with Flynn and trained trained with him, um, and has since become an RUOK ambassador after after seeing um, what they do and and experiencing what James does for our walks. Kathy, welcome to Flynn's Talk. Thanks for having me here, guys. Thanks for taking the time to uh, chat to us on our little uh, spontaneous podcast here. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. So I think a good space to start would be for the people who don't know you, you you went to a university with Flynn and study veterinary science with him. Um, so if, yeah, if you wanted to start off just telling us a little bit about how you met Flynn, maybe any stories, anything like that that you've got to share. Yeah, so um, Flynn and I went to the same vet school, University of Melbourne. Um, we started in the same year, and then I first met him um, at um, Campertown, which is a um, little getaway for the pre-vet students, sort of to um, learn about animal handling. So we, we stayed there for about five, six days, I believe. So we met him before the courses started. Um, and then Cam, who was in earlier episode, um, he was in the same class. Um, yeah, so we um, went to the same school, um, spent the four years studying together. The thing about Flynn is even um, the first time when I met him, he just got along with anyone um, you know, he was uh, talking to anyone. He just, you know, um, he was a very inquisitive of everybody's walks of lives. And then we had a lot of international students, including myself. And then um, he he was open. He was always willing to listen. Um, the most striking thing about Flynn was um, his life of party and then his costumes. And then his never-ending supply of costumes, um, including... Yeah, including Gumby costume. We had a very frightening looking um, clown costume, which I hated. <laughs> but <laughs> but my favorite is um, this bright pink uh, princess, princess puffy sleeved uh, princess dress that he wore in a couple of occasions to vet function. 
Um, the greatest thing about Flynn with his costumes was he owned it. He wore it to trams. He wore it to trains. He walked with the confidence of all the costume. He put it on his body. He just rocked it. He was in the character. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I remember. It was a defining thing about him. He always he went to such great effort. I mean, a lot of a lot of the people who knew him after school have probably seen the picture, but don't know the background story about his prison break costume, mm. which I think was for muck up day, our last day of of school, of high school, uh, and the fact that he spent it was yes, no, because we went as unicyclists. He, uh, ah, what was it? For? It was for for a, a mate's eighteenth. Yeah, you got full, uh, the full body ink done of um, yeah. Michael Schofield from Prison Break. Oh my! Like a, a paint spray painted um, pattern on him, which I think cost many hundreds of dollars in a full day of work. Yeah. But the fact that he wore it, like he went out without his top on for weeks after that, any opportunity he got just to show this off. Oh yeah, I missed out on that one. <laughs> yeah, there's there's photos around. I will I will look for it definitely. You mentioned Gumby as well, and. Um, a funny side story is just down the road from where I now live, um, and it's the same suburb where Flynn and I both live uh, growing up in Williamstown, I actually saw him in the Gumby outfit uh, and he waved to me across the street, but I didn't know who it was. I just thought, oh, this person's waving to me from in a cardboard cutout of Gumby. Uh, it was Flynn trying to wave me over to say hello, six pack in one hand. I got a bit further down the street and then I got a phone call from inside Gumby, kind of. The phone was sort of through the cardboard um, and it was Flynn going like, why just snub me? You should have come and said hello. Anyway, by this point, he got on the train and gone. Um, so that was always a funny memory of um, the Gumby outfit. You'd probably already called the cops by that point as well. <laughs> this is weird. This is weird full-size Gumby suit. By the, by the, t- by the time he yeah, had chased me for a couple hundred metres, I got a bit worried. But um, <laughs> no, that was uh, that bit didn't happen. But um, uh, Gretel, his sister as well, um, a shout-out to her because I know that she put a lot of effort into helping him with those outfits too. Um, certainly a lot of fun, Kathy, from that angle throughout university. And, and you, you talk about the, the famous animal handling camp um, for pre-vets, but it's a, it's a pretty hard slog over a number of years being a vet student. Um, Absolutely. I guess for you personally, how did you find that journey, you know, actually starting out? Um, well, I came from Canada and um, I, I didn't have any family. So basically I came here by myself to study and then that was difficult because um, vet students are um, put into this high, uh, you know, um, pressure cooking environment where you're put into a group of high achieving perfectionists. And a lot of them also come from overseas who don't have a family to depend on. Um, the school workload can be overwhelming as well. Um, and overnight uh, overnighters were frequent um, leading up to the exams. Um, luckily, um, I had a great group of friends who are like my family now, who I regularly catch up with even until this point. Um, but again, it was a lot of a workload on top of that. Um, there was a strange, as much as we had the fun with each other, there was a strange sort of the competitiveness between amongst ourselves. Um, cause it's just a whole bunch of smart kids. And then that was difficult. Um, but as a vet school, we, we had a lot of fun, all the drunk stories that can come out of it. <laughs> and so a lot, and then Flynn is, was a big part of it. Um, so I remember all that. Um, carrying over to the professional life as vets 
we navigate sort of uh, in and out of the imposter syndrome and the compassion fatigue on daily basis. Um, majority vets are altruistic and that they will go great lengths for their patients' best interest. I think that's that's what I found, find challenge lies um, as vet students and then vets as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and for yourself, straight out of uni, uh, you started work pretty quick and, and you found you managed to find a job um, straight away. Yeah, that's right. Um, back in nowadays, I hear it's a bit different, but um, back in when I graduated about seven years ago, it had been seven years ago, um, yeah. it was a lot of competition between, um, you know, vet fresh graduates. And I was lucky enough to secure a job um, sort of early on. But um, I wish I had to taken some time off coming straight out from the vet school. It would have been a great idea to go on a trip for like a couple of months to widen my perspective. Mm-hmm. But I jumped straight into a shelter, a shelter work. Yeah. So I was a shelter vet for about um, three years yep. and then moved on to the private vets for another three years. And then now I'm doing the casual work, contracting work over the clinics in Melbourne. And was the shelter something that you sort of, you had a passion for going into it or was that, that just... Like that, that's what jumped out to you? Um, I think all, all the vet kids or um, vets who do have this um, passion to save the unfortunate sort of the, yeah, underprivileged um, lives and then um, basically uh, abandon the kittens and dogs. And then I had a great passion for that. And then I went in thinking that it was going to be saving yeah. poor kittens and poor puppies. And yeah. it was not just that, but it, it just had a bit more um, more of dark side than what I expected. And the personally, and then that weighed a lot um to change my career in different directions, yeah. And was it something that sort of strengthened strengthened your character and strengthened your will to continue being a vet, or do you think it broke you slightly in a way? Or uh, <laughs> so I, I can say both. Hard question. Yeah, I can definitely say both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think dealing with the sort of the um, very extreme abuse cases, or mm, to yep. say. Yeah. Um, yeah, you definitely lose a faith in humanity for some degree, and then um, yeah, and then it involves a shelter. The nature of a shelter work is that there is a lot of um, euthanasia involved, and that it's not unjustified. Um, they had to be put down for you know medical or health issues. Yeah, but um, mm. I had the personal sort of the crisis is. Um, what I would say is, was um, one day I euthanized about 23 animals. Mm, wow. And right. then uh, even though they were, yeah, even though they were justified, yep. it takes a little bit out of you. And um, I think it would take a lot out of you. A lot of. <laughs> so I carried on that day. Um, but at the end of the day, when I finished with that shift, I had to pull my car over and I just I had to melt them. I didn't, you know, I, I don't know what it was that day, whether realization that this was not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that it was going to be kittens and puppies and rainbows, but it wasn't that. A lot of um, dark side. And then, you know, I I had to, on top of that, I had to deal with a lot of, um, you know, uh, clients with, um low socioeconomical sort of the clientele mm-hmm. and then that mm. that was a difficult challenging 
navigating as a new grad as well. Yeah. So following following that day where you had the where you had the crisis, was it was it something that you felt open to talk to work about? Was it something that you got help with? I think I was lucky enough to have my good support group. Uh, yep. My boyfriend back then and then my husband now uh, was being a great support. I remember calling him every day after work and I just had a massive, you know, rent <laughs> for work. And then I um, can certainly help. Mm. Debrief, right? Yeah. And then um, just getting together with, um, you know, my friends who are going through the same thing at different sort of the practices that greatly help. I did look into professional help such as, you know, Australian Vet Board. Um, They do have helplines that you can call, Um, but I didn't Mm. reach out on hindsight. I, I feel like I should have done it, but I felt like somehow, um, I feel like I would be, I felt like I would be judged within the same profession. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was going to be anonymous and I encourage any vets to feel that way to contact professionals, but I I personally didn't. And then um, Mm. I felt talking it out to my close friends and family definitely, definitely helped. Yeah. And I think that's something that, that probably everyone's experienced when they've had a tough time that you that you probably know that the supports are out there and you know that the different services are available but for whatever reason I I mean it's a terrifying thing to have to put yourself on the line and to have to talk to someone about your sort of your deepest feelings but it's great that you had that you had your boyfriend who's now your husband and and your friends as well to to be a sounding board yeah absolutely without Without, you know, the little support cheerleaders that I luckily had around me, uh, I think I would have left my career pretty early on. It's a nice phrase, little support cheerleaders. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And you found that in your own personal way and, and, and that's really cool. Um, the thing I was going to say was, as you said, Jez, it's a hard thing to do for if you're going through something that's really affected you to put your hand up for help. The biggest thing that gets in the way is pride, right? And it's Absolutely. saying, well... I can't because I'm too proud or um, it's just yeah. me. I should suck it up and, and get on with it. Yep. And I think. What would people think of me? Yeah, that's it. The judgment, right? As, as you said, Kathy. And um, it seems like from what we've, we've gathered talking about other vets and even the nurses and support staff in clinics and shelters is that maybe they, they feel like there isn't support enough specifically for the industry. Like who would be on the other end of a phone that will be able to relate to what I'm feeling? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. I, I can't agree more. Um, when when we were students, so we had one um, sort of the extracurriculum lecture from um, psychologist, and then she did not know much about the industry, and then we felt very much um, irrelevant um, to the lecture that was given. And then after going through, you know, um, loss of a Flynn and I discovered all this help um, available and then it's I'm very grateful for all the professional helps that tailor to the vets are coming up now and then all the work they do I really am grateful for it but unfortunately it wasn't readily taught or talked about during the vet school unfortunately and yeah. I think that's something that that Cam's also trying to trying to push forward and trying to get more happening in that space as well, more more of the education when when the vets are going through school about the issues they're going to face, how they can cope with them, and 
and what supports are around that. Yeah, that's right. Which I think anything anything more that can come of that is is excellent. Fantastic. Yeah, that's an all great point. And I think um, recently SBS um, had an episode on insight with a panel of uh, vets discussing about this. And then um, I agree with everything that those courageous vets said. Um, you know, we, we deal with our industry-specific sort of the issues, um, long and unreasonable hours, low pay. I remember one of the vets um, <laughs> One of the vets said he had been on call for two years in a row. There's there was no job. Yeah, there's no job who'd expect them, you know, any employee to be on call available twenty four seven for that long. Um, and then sometimes it comes with unkind words from clients, unkind words from even staff and managers. Those are just all added to the challenges that we face. Yeah, exactly right. And um, SBS Insight. Uh, did an incredible job with that episode and if you haven't had a chance to check it out um, you should definitely have a look Uh, it is heavy it's confronting I found it to be raw honest Um, I'm not in the animal field not a veterinarian but had a very close friend obviously who was and got to know many others now and um, it was so powerful for them to share their stories Um, and we've given them a shout out online as well for that Um, and we've connected with Liv in Perth who actually was was one of the the panel too um, Kathy, the incredible part of all this, um, you've felt the highs and, and the low points of, of being a vet. And one of the things that I keep hearing about is euthanasia and, and putting to sleep, um, people's pets or animals that have been abandoned or whatever the circumstances, truly probably one of the hardest parts of, of the job. Um, and you've actually, uh, now decided to channel some of your experience and, and your, li- your, your life experience, I suppose. Um, and you've joined Are You Okay as an ambassador. Talk us through That's right. why. Why? Like, why did you decide to do it? So, um, through you, Jack, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> so, unfortunately, suicide um, impacted my life more than once. Um, so, my great auntie, who was looking after me and my brother since we are little, um, she passed and then she died by suicide after suffering from mental health and coming from, you know, Korea and then Canadian sort of the background um, in Korean culture, it's still considered a very much of a taboo. Um, and then when I was young and then she passed, unfortunately, no one was openly talking about these issues. Um, and then we are forever questioning why, um, how come? And then that just devastated my life. And they left a sort of a big question mark. Um, and then recently, unfortunately, loss of a Flynn by suicide, of course, made me think if a mental health problem, you know, like it, it just made me think of a mental health in different light. And then thankfully, after doing the first planes walk, I saw these bright yellow T-shirt, you know, people in those T-shirts. And I did some of my research and then um, their core values, REOK's core values, rang very true for me. Um, It's as simple as um, a conversation can change life and they can prevent the suicide. And then that rang really true to me. So I decided to follow up with um, community ambassador coordinator and then a community engagement manager, Chris. And then, um, uh, yeah, I went through two days of training. So I become community ambassador. 
yeah. I think certainly certainly James who was uh who was at the who was at the first walk and then and then came to the second one as well was a was a big sort of influence on a lot of people about how well he spoke and and I'm sure how well a lot of the ambassadors speak at at all the events they go to and championing that message of of are you okay and that a conversation can change the life. And I think it's a it's a really good thing that they have that they send these people out to to whoever wants to have them and and spread that word. Yeah, that's right. So all the community ambassadors that I luckily um, got the training together, um, they they came from all walks of life, and I think it's a very um, saddening to think to to know how many people's lives were actually touched by suicide. Hence, encourage them to be community ambassador. But they they are doing great works. Yeah. And can you take us through a little bit about what what the sort of what the course involved and how you actually went about becoming an ambassador? Yeah. So back in two thousand eighteen, um, I you know, contacted um, Are You OK? And then uh, the training actually started in 2019 because um, they had went through another training courses and then um, the next training was available. Um, so I went two days of a training um, in Melbourne City. Um, I, I need to say that it was highly emotional and educational too. Um, I was really stunned by, as I said, yeah. how many people's lives are affected by suicide. Yeah. Yep. They came from different, you know, countryside of Victoria or even center. Even they just came from all different walks of lives. Um, everyone who trained with me had the courage to share their stories, and then some of them are quite confronting. And really sad, and then really devastating. Um, unfortunately, some of them, you know, uh, were touched by suicide. Um, unfortunately, multiple times. Um, so it was highly emotional. Um, the statistics astounded me, though, um, and that it was good to learn um, how suicide was, how prevalent it was. Um, I was definitely oblivious before this training that every year um, we lose about 3,000 lives in Australia by suicide. Um, that, that just boggled my mind that, you know, someone tries to take his or, or her life every eight minutes. That, that Those all statistics, um, learning that was, you know, saddening, but also I would say educational for me. And you mentioned the fact that people from all walks of life come together and and put on the same yellow t-shirt with that show of support for the same message. And of course, we had Catherine on one of the earlier episodes and we had Megan as well, who who gets up and shares her story. Um, Every opportunity she gets, she does an incredible job. Absolutely. Massive congratulations to you though, Kathy, as well, because you're you're the first and only vet to have donned the yellow t-shirt with are you okay that is a fact i checked it um oh, with are you okay so well done yep and i Thank you. and i reckon that um there's a few others out there who i've heard from as well and i know that i helped put you in touch with are you okay when all that came about but um there's a few others waiting as well and are you okay are working through how to make sure they can continue to get more people involved and particularly um vets vet nurses as well are, are keen so 
well done. Oh, thank you. That, that must that must feel really, really cool for you personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's more of, um, I started seeing more of are you okay signs in clinics where I work at and that sometimes go there and then they are really promoting the mental health um, and the professionals that they can talk to. And I see more of the yellow signs, which is a great move. And, uh, you know, um, hats off to you guys, Jack and Jeremy, like you guys are working, your work is so overdue and then you guys did a tremendous um, job and then Jack organizing Flynn's walk and then it raised so much of awareness and I still have a clients are talking about you know um, your interview or Flynn's walk and then hearing about Flynn's suicide I, I still get clients are talking about that yeah so thanks to you guys well yeah we're happy to be putting our energy towards um potentially helping someone else and and I said I think at the first walk that if we help one person or save one person um that'd be incredible and I've also told people about you Kathy joining and and that's our some of our tangible outcomes of of Mm. all of this um, to show for that so that's incredible I know also um you're across some of the work are you okay doing now in terms of their campaigns that they've got rolled out there there's a lot of messaging around staying connected. There's the trust your gut, trust your instincts and ask a friend if they're, are they okay? Um, what do you really like that they're doing at the moment or or um, you could you could tell our listeners about? Yeah, so during this unprecedented time, obviously, we, we try to encourage people to stay connected using the social, um, you know, face um, video chat um, apps or Zoom meetings. Um, so we are they are running the campaign to have everybody stay connected and then please, please make on the, you know, phone reminder, scheduler, anything to, um, you know, phone them or give them a little message. It takes only a small minute, you know, fraction of the minutes to stay connected and then um, to let them know that you remember, you you do remember um, and that you always ask um, how they are going and then please take time to listen to each other. So stay connected. The campaign is great during this time. And then you you may see all the buses, the buses stops with the yellow signs. I, I do love that campaign. And I think it's very important to, to do so during this coronavirus time. And hopefully it's going to put a little bit ease on um you know, with the easing restriction, hopefully it's going to be uh, more more of the connection in, you know, in, in person instead of having the Zoom meetings. But we'll see. They are still running the campaign. And then um, as a part of the campaign, my favorite thing is they do this um, takeaway together campaign. Yeah. So I've heard about you this. said, <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you order from your favorite local restaurant and then you set the time to eat together in person, or um, you can set up a video chat app and then you sit, eat together, and then you have a chat. Yeah, awesome. So the, those are all great campaigns that are, they, they are running at the moment. Yeah, no, I've definitely, I've definitely done that uh, a few times during during the last couple of months when we've all been locked down and then actually it works well. I mean, you know that you're not together, but at least you're sharing, you're sharing something with someone else and you have a chat and you, and you, you feel sort of feel like you're still together. It's something that's, it's something that's still quite nice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you sit down, you listen to each other. I think that that's all it matters. Mm. You, you can yeah. do stay connected. Yeah. 
And food helps, yeah, of course. Food definitely helps. <laughs> so, have you had now that you're an official, you're an official Are You OK ambassador? Have you had an opportunity to to use that and to and to spread the message to a group? So, I have done it in small sort of the settings. So, clinics where I go to, I try to not have a proper sort of the you know Are You OK talk, but I do yep. say that I got this training, community ambassador, and that I try to ask like, how have you been going? Um, yep. Some of the vet nurses that I know who went through recently quite terrible time that I, I would try to just take some time and then sit down and listen. Uh, but this is actually the first time that I'm talking as a community ambassador in the greater crowd. <laughs> yeah, nice. I'm very. I feel very privileged to be here. Actually, yeah, thank you. Well, we're happy that we got the scoop. Yeah, <laughs> we got the exclusive. As, as I said before, we claim you as our own uh, our product of, of all this work. So <laughs> we appreciate that. This is my first official. Are you okay? Yes. Talk. There we go. So good. Just on that, Lovely. you were talking about. Um, sitting with, with with some vet staff and talking about going through a bit of a rough time. How have you found the openness around that? Like, did they know you were an ambassador and ask you to make the time? Did you sense there was something going on that you should have sat them down to talk about? Just interested about people's approach and, and I suppose, are they getting more comfortable with um, not being okay and, and starting those conversations in clinics? I absolutely think there is a more openness now because of the media awareness yeah. and the, you did a great job. Um, so I think people are talking more about the difficulties that they go through working at the clinic, you know. Um, so I think they, they just, you know, at, during the lunchtime, I try to have an open conversation and that I say, that I went through this community ambassador and then they, it gets them to talk. It's a quite amazing thing. Yeah. As long as you say, oh, I did the training with the RUK and then the name is more known in the industry now, which also really helps. So people do talk to me more about that. And then um, I try to check on them on a regular basis, which is fantastic. And you're spending your time and energy uh, and you've made the commitment to RUK to do that. Um, to helping other people and asking them how they're going. But how are you going and how do you keep yourself in check? Because uh, you've got to be okay yourself to ask others how they're going. We've learned that. Um, but, yeah, what do you do to keep yourself in check? I know some people um, practice mindfulness, meditation. Some people are into yoga. I'm not. Um, but uh, what, what do you do? Yeah, so I'm not I'm not yoga person either. Uh, my mind is just... Are you just? Or no. is that three strikes? <laughs> no. Three strikes. No, three <laughs> strikes. Great. <laughs> yeah. I just think um, I, I tried the yoga myself and then my mind just goes a thousand miles um, mm. per minute. So I can't sit still. I'm one of those people who can't sit still. I take a day off and I just book myself with all appointments and then things to do. Uh, yes. But now, because I'm a locum vet now, I try to take some time off try to get out more, whether it's a hiking or catching up with the friends. Now I started doing it more after the coronavirus, you know, hibernation, which is great. Um, and then, yeah, so having good support group absolutely helps. Um, and I try to catch up with them on a regular basis. Um, I do like to watch good movies. Uh, my husband is into movies as well. So we watch good movies, uh, but just, before the coronavirus, um, I was working 
out before work and then um, I go to, I just take time to go to a steam room and then sit there. That, that's a sort of a, my meditation. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. And then that helped and I plan to go back to it once I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully, I mean, I know that, I know that pools are opening up fairly soon. Hopefully yeah. the, hopefully the saunas and steam rooms and everything will, will follow suit. Yes. I need my meditation. <laughs> we'll do our best to, to keep people across the, the, the restrictions easing on Flint's Talk where we can, but um, obviously yeah. follow the advice of the government and all the things that are, are out there um, in terms of what opens when. And it's something interesting I've um, uh, been learning about as well is the, the, the meditation theme uh, doesn't necessarily have to be legs folded, sitting on the ground, at, at a, you know, in a mountain range, um, breathing in the fresh air. It's meditating on something that anchors you and um, gives you peace or, or grounding and all those things that come with it. So um, I've found my own ways to do that through walking and, and just clearing my headspace and, and, and the like. And I know that Jez has got some stuff that he likes to do as well. So it's it can really be personal and take on its own uh, flavor and its own taste for you um, as well. So Yeah, and, and, and a lot of people, I mean, you, you talk about meditation and mindfulness and people think it's it's about that you have to you have to be in this Zen moment that your head's clear and you're yeah. not thinking about anything else and you go into this meditative state. But it's not really like that. It's nah. it's just about being aware of. It can be as simple as being aware of your surroundings, knowing knowing sort of what your body's doing and feeling at that time, and and being okay with it and letting it sort of wash over you and and understanding what that's what's happening. Yeah, that's right. And it, and it can be a great thing. Yeah, that's right. Each two, each two, their own. I I believe just mm. sitting in the steam room, even though, and I try to you know empty my mind physically. That's something mm. that I learned to do sometimes, yep. and enjoy yeah. the peacefulness and the tranquility without just running around. <laughs> As a somewhat a way of of finishing up, um, there's there's hard stuff, there's sad stuff, there's dark stuff um, in the work that you do. But you haven't left it, and and you've been at it for sort of six or so six or seven years now since you graduated. But for you, what's the best thing about being a vet? Animals, of course. Um, it's 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 corny as yeah. it sounds. I do um, I do find it quite rewarding um, to be able to help them. Um, it, it's so rewarding seeing sick animals getting better after treatments and then they wag their tails and they are happy to see you. Itself is rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually do like nurturing the relationship between clients and pets. And I find it such a privilege to be part of the yep. whole relationship, nurturing their relationship, and then um, you know to be part of their or journey as a family. And I see them... Um, growing into the family, I find it quite quite a bit of a privilege. So I, I do like that aspect of um, this field. Um, also, I do like, you know, problem-solving thing. It's a medical sort of the problem-solving process of working the things and then getting the, reaching the diagnosis. And um, yeah, I do, I do like uh, being a vet genuinely. Yeah. Lovely. Well, I think that's a, I think that's a wonderful little sentiment to end on. And Thank you again for taking your time to to come on and chat to us, and also for taking your time to become an RUAK ambassador and to spend to spread that message. It's it's a wonderful cause. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me, and that you guys are doing a great job. Awesome to chat to Kathy, and uh, thanks for 
giving up your time um, to jump on the episode and, and talk us through the journey that you've been on. Uh, Jez, it's uh, always important to remind our listeners that there's support out there. Um, we've obviously talked about Are You Okay in this episode um, somewhat at length and, and they do amazing work, but there's some other websites and, and phone numbers that are easily accessible for people that um, might be needing some help. There certainly are. If you, if anything in the episode is, has made you feel like you need to talk to someone, if you need, it can be it can be anyone, it can be a professional or it can be a friend as, as Are You Okay's message is. Uh, there's always Beyond Blues out there, Kids Helpline if you're under 25 or Headspace as well if you're under 25. Um, if it is a crisis or if you if you do need to talk to someone urgently, call Lifeline on 131 114. There's the Suicide Callback Service or if it's an emergency, call triple zero. Nice one, mate. And uh, we've got through eight and we're heading for 10 for season one. So there's a couple more to go. Yep, we've got a, yep that's our plan. We've got a couple more um, fantastic guests actually uh, lined up. So make sure you're subscribed um, or following depending on where you're listening to your podcasts. And uh, also don't forget that on our website, which is flinswalk.com.au, uh, we've got some custom-made winter beanies um, as well as some other mm, little yep. bits and pieces you can buy to help support our cause. Um, and we'll, we'll be speaking to you again very soon. Jez, thanks for your time as always. Thank you. And also also share it around. Tell your, tell your friends if you think they'd like to listen to it, if you think it's relevant for them and help us spread the word. Yeah, exactly right. And even actually through that website as well, um, you can get in touch with us if you wanted to, to jump on and, and even come and have a chat. So uh, Very true, yes. Hit us up. Yep. Um, thanks, Jez. And I will talk to you on the next one. Sounds good. See you then. 